0: Welcome to The Cultured Podcast, a weekly conversation hosted by me, Michelle Corey, that breaks down the barriers surrounding art, theater, travel, and more to serve a digestible dose of culture for all. Hello, Cultured Cats! this episode I'm doing something a little bit different and it's something I hope you'll both enjoy and want to see more of. So I thought it would be kind of cool to every few episodes dig a little bit deeper into the foundations behind certain art forms in order to start bringing some of the cultural puzzle pieces together if you will uh, for all of us. And uh, so as many of you know by now I trained pretty intensively as an actor when I was younger and I never quite lost my fascination for the act of embodying somebody else fully and authentically. Um, In fact, I've been toying with the idea of picking up where I left off by enrolling in some acting classes. So hopefully pretty soon I can make that happen. Um, I tell you this because all of these recent musings of mine have reopened my interest in the Methods Actors use to portray characters and situations. Um, this is something I don't think a lot of audience members think about when they see a brilliant actor at work. So I thought it would be really interesting to explore it. But if you've ever wondered to yourself how an actor is able to pull you into the psychology, the history, the mannerisms, the overall persona of a character, well, this episode uncovers a large part of that answer, which is that that there are time-tested and very well-respected tools that actors use to become other people. So this week, we're digging at the roots of the different methods of acting that allow actors to make these near-magical transformations right before our very eyes. So there are at least eight acting techniques used today, but I'm going to focus on arguably the three most respected acting coaches, at least in the Western world. And those three dudes are Konstantin Stanislavski, uh, Lee Strasberg, and Michael Chekhov. So first let's talk about Konstantin Stanislavski, the OG of acting Teachers. So Stanislavski's system, what he called the system, uh, has far-reaching influence definitely still today. And in fact, it's the foundation upon which all other contemporary acting methods, specifically in the Western Hemisphere, are built. Stanislavski's aim was to create a set of tools that allow actors to summon the creative process at will. And the creative process being something that usually happens unconsciously. Consciously, so that's pretty groundbreaking. Um, Stanislavski was a trailblazer in the world of make believe, and his views were a pretty far departure from the more "quote unquote" obvious forms of acting that dominated the past. Um, So if you think of actors putting on a production of Hamlet during the Renaissance, you probably think of large sweeping gestures and booming soliloquies. And a lot of people today might consider that form of acting cheesy, let's say, but that's just because we don't believe the actor. We don't connect with this character that he's presenting to us. And, you know, to present a character is very different from embodying or fully becoming that person that was written on a page, Um, So we can sniff that out from a mile away, especially nowadays, audiences nowadays, because we are so used to a much more pure, realistic form of acting. Speaking of which, uh, Stanislavski himself based his method, what we now call method acting, on the naturalism movement in theater, which was a subset of realism. And basically, in the naturalist movement... uh, characters and situations were directly modeled from real life, rather than presented in whichever way they were written in a flat way on the page. And so the idea of realism turns this 2D make-believe object into a 3D realistic, could-be-standing-right-next-to-me kind of situation. And Stanislavski also wasn't About the star of the show life. Instead, he thought the ensemble was the highest importance. So, all actors were expected to engage with each other and listen to one another genuinely. And through listening to fellow actors on stage with you, you could really produce a genuine result. And that's why you had to really know your lines super, super well, because you're supposed to really lose yourself on stage so that you're able to fully listen to those on stage with you, your ensemble. Um, So Stanislavski's method is really based around three core beliefs. The first is that there has to always be an objective in the actor's mind. And so when an actor is on stage, he he or she has to ask themselves, what is making me do what I'm about to do in the script? What is driving the words in the script? And what is the actor's motivation? And dig a little deeper, where is that motivation rooted? So there's always been a significant component of psychology to being an actor because you're supposed to really understand who your character is and dig at the roots of what your character has experienced and why they believe what they believe and why they have the objective or the goal that they have. And so that kind of leads us to the second core belief of Stanislavski's, and it's that there should always be some kind of obstacle. So so what is your character's obstacle that they must surmount to reach their objective? Now that you've kind of figured out what the goal is, why hasn't the character reached that goal yet? And you have to ask yourself these questions because if not, you're regurgitating words from a page. And that's neither interesting nor compelling for especially modern day audiences. Number three, the third thing, is that the actor 110% must believe what is taking place within their character's world. So that actor has to believe their actions There are very specific tools that the actor employs to believe their actions. And that in all is called suspension of disbelief. You must throw out all concepts of disbelief and really buy what you're selling as an actor. And that's really hard. That's perhaps the trickiest part of acting is really believing that if you are playing the character of Hamlet... That you want to kill someone, or if you are playing the character of Beetlejuice, that you really are this weird, mythical creature that when people say your name three times, you come out and you're this playful, wacky, crazy guy. Um, I just was watching a video with Michael Keaton in it, so I guess Beetlejuice came out instead of Batman. (laughs) Go figure. So this whole idea of suspending all disbelief and really believing what you're doing as an actor, there are several ways that an actor can approach that. But in Stanislavski's school, it's all about imposing your own personal experiences into that character's world and using your personal experiences to propel you into a moment of full and total belief. And I guess that's why I've always been fascinated by theater is because the idea of completely inhabiting a different form, psychology, all these different gestures and mannerisms and a whole new history that drives completely new motivations is One of the most fascinating things humans can do is, you know, become it's like shape shifting on stage live in front of all these people and then pulling yourself out of it right after and then doing it all again, Um, which actually brings up a really good point because Stanislavski created this method because he wanted to create a tool that allowed actors to repeat their genius, if you will. You know, it was kind of for the everyday actor to be able to go in and out of character at will. So he just sought to make actors' lives easier. So thanks for that, Stanny. (laughs) That's what, that's just what I call him. Um, So relaxation is a big part of Stanislavski's method. Uh, Concentration, of course, because you want to put your energy into one state of being, one reality, one situation, circumstance, feeling, etc. Observation is a big part of it because when you are trying to inhabit uh, the body let's say I uh, was chosen for a play where I'm in prison I might want to watch videos of different female inmates in prison and I would want to observe as much as I can the real life people who are living as closely to the circumstance that I'm trying to inhabit and so observation is a really big part of it and and it's not superficial observation You have to observe the intricacies in how people communicate with their bodies, how they sit, how they slouch, how they look away when they're telling a story. Do they have nostalgic glances? Do they pick at their nails? Do they have a twitch like a lip bite? Do they blink a lot? All of these different things that make us our own unique people. You can really bring a character to life by giving it those tiny little nuances that we all have. Um, It's kind of like the shading in a, in a hyper-realistic painting, every little shade you put in there, every little highlight, every wrinkle, every expression line brings that 2D face to life. A couple of the other elements uh, for Stalin one of them is that you want to put yourself in the situation. So I mentioned this, and a good question to ask yourself as the actor is, Well, like, what would I, Michelle Corey, do if I was in uh, Juliet's position from Romeo and Juliet? What would I do if I was in her shoes? And how would I respond to that situation? And so that kind of starts allowing you to have some of that basic universal humanity, adding it to the situation, comparing how you would react versus how your character would, finding commonalities that you can then bring to that character. As your character comes onto the page, well, you have to understand where your character came from before it reached the scene that you're doing. So that's what it means when an actor talks about backstory. The actor really has to develop who their character is and what life experiences led that character to arrive at this very moment written on the page and coming to life on the stage and that's one of my favorite exercises as an actor is to find a backstory and in fact I actually (laughs) I do this when I go out I like to people watch and give people backstories especially people engaged in conversation I'll watch their body language and I'll watch how they're interacting with one another and give their them completely new narratives and I like to get really creative with it so it's fun Anyway, so that is a good general overview of Stanislavski's method. But the coolest thing about Stani is that he did not want people to, what he said, slavishly follow his method. He really believed in actors injecting their very own needs and very own sub-methods, if you will, into his method and really evolving from it whatever they needed to. And so that's exactly what a couple of his students did. And one of those is Michael Chekhov, who I've mentioned previously. He was born in St. Petersburg, Russia in 1891, and he was a pupil of Stanislavski's. He was considered Russia's, one of Russia's greatest actors, if not its greatest actor ever alive, honestly. And Stanislavski himself considered Chekhov um, his most brilliant pupil, quote unquote. So g- creative genius clearly runs in this guy's veins because Michael Chekhov uh, was the nephew of Anton Chekhov, And if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because Anton Chekhov was a playwright and an author who's still considered one of the greatest short story writers in history. So dang, those are some good genes. I want me some of those. Um, Chekhov's method is particularly interesting because it focuses on what Chekhov calls the psychophysical. So in his view, all humans with, of course, a special focus on actors can be boiled down to two fundamental concepts, what he called the inner world, uh, so the psychology, and the body, or the physiology, thus the term psychophysical. What I really find interesting about Chekhov is how deeply rooted in metaphysics and spirituality and energetics his work was, whether he outwardly stated it or not. And it boils down to stripping the actor of their in order to make them a blank canvas because when you yourself are a blank canvas and there is no I and there is no identity tied to you i.e your ego then a real genuine complex intricate delicious character can develop on that canvas you can paint all of the backstory you can paint all of the intricacies you can paint all of the little nuances of that character because you have a blank canvas So you kind of compare that concept to the idea of having a black or colorful canvas or a canvas that doesn't show markings well. And you realize that clearing yourself of your ego allows you to be the purest kind of actor and an actor who can really portray these genuine characters. I grew up uh, learning how to act using Chekhov's method, and I really loved it. And some of the challenges that you face as an actor is to figure out whether you go from the inside out with your character development or you're outside in. And what that means is basically are you summoning motivations or the character's psychology or background to build the character into a genuine being? Or are you first inhabiting the physical being of that character? So are you walking the walk and incorporating these gestures and nuances physically that will then help you to embody the character on a more psychological level? And it's really interesting because there is no right answer. Certain things work for certain actors. And I just saw an interview by Jennifer Lawrence about her new film Mother. And she talked about how she found it really difficult difficult to connect with her character because she's so different from this character. But what really started flipping the switch for her and making her feel at home in the character's psychology was when she started wearing the character's clothing and exploring the character's wardrobe. So that's the most riveting part of acting is it's such an individual journey for each actor so the fact that teachers like Stanislavski and Chekhov and Strasberg were able to create these tools that are universal for actors but can be adapted on a very individual and tailored level shows us just how complex the whole act of acting can be. Let's talk a little bit about Lee Strasberg. Uh, This is going to be a quick overview because Lee adapted some of Stanislavski's techniques. He was a part of this monumental ensemble theater called the Group Theater that popped up in the 1930s. A lot of the people in that theater went on to become very famous actors, acting teachers, directors, including Stella Adler, who is another monumental voice in acting. But Lee took a different approach to Stanislavski and is famous for it today because he is connected with uh, using your emotions your the emotions you've already lived to connect with whatever a character's going through so it's called emotional recall and it's because you are literally recalling the emotions that you've already experienced in your past so if I was in a scene and I needed to feel very sad and cry and feel a sense of loss and grief I might summon my father's death and allow that to filter through the current moment. So I use the emotions of of what I felt when my father passed away, but I filter it through the lens of this character and this world that I'm inhabiting. And it is actually a great practice. I have used emotional recall naturally my entire life when it comes to acting. And that is also a point that Lee Strasberg makes is method acting is just putting a name on something that we've done for centuries, if not thousands of years as humankind, especially when it comes to acting. So I hope you enjoyed this little overview of the different methods of acting. I know it gets a little bit technical, but this is a great way to be able to appreciate actors on a whole new scale. When you're at the theater and you see a stellar performance on stage, or when you go to the movie theater and see one of my favorite actors, Leonardo DiCaprio, kill it on the silver screen, you understand now how much it takes out of an actor to really portray a genuine persona that they have never lived before. So big ups to actors because you guys are kind of like these shape-shifting heroes you know (laughs) and it takes a lot of work Um, and and it can scar some actors because they get so entrenched in the character I'm fairly certain that's what happened with Heath Ledger playing the Joker it was a really intense role and to get fully immersed in that kind of darkness and evil can be really taxing. And in the same sense, being fully immersed in a really joyful character can probably linger for a week or two, this like euphoria. Anywho, I'd love to hear your guys' feedback on what you learned about acting, or if you like this episode format, I'd definitely love to hear from you and see what you think about these solo, research-heavy kind of episodes. I like to give these background-rich perspectives, because I think it really rounds out what we're talking about on other episodes, and gives you the kind of fodder that helps you think about things in a brand new way reach out to me let me know what you think you can reach me on all the socials remember to check out the show notes at culturedpodcast.com for this episode there's going to be a lot of great source linking and uh, other kind of background material that you can dig into for more information especially if you're an actor and you want to learn more all right guys I appreciate you so much thank you for being a part of this cultured journey with me and as always keep it classy Keep it curious. Keep it cultured. I'm Michelle Corey. Sean Powers is our producer. David Markowitz is our executive producer. The Cultured Podcast is a production of Zero Mile Media, made with love in Atlanta. You can listen to Cultured on CulturedPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and anywhere podcasts are found. If you love what you're hearing, don't forget to rate and review The Cultured Podcast on Apple Podcasts.